You're listening to Meeting Pod, the podcast powered by Meeting Place, the premier magazine and news source for the meat and poultry processing industry, and Alt Meat Magazine, the only business information resource for the exploding alternative meat industry. Hi, I'm Chris Scott, host of Meeting Pod and contributing editor at both Meeting Place and Alt Meat Magazines. Our guest today is Dr. Jada Thompson, Assistant Professor of Agricultural Economics and Agribusiness at the University of Arkansas System Division of Agriculture. Dr. Thompson's research primarily focuses on animal health and livestock economics with an emphasis on the poultry industry, which has dealt with highly pathogenic avian influenza, or HPAI, well beyond the last 12 months. Her research indicates that the record-breaking HPAI outbreaks pose a long-running risk to the supply chain and could ultimately lead to structural changes in poultry production. We'll discuss her work at the school's Arkansas Agricultural Experiment Station, among other issues in today's conversation. Thanks for spending some time with us, Jada. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. And we're happy to have you. So the poultry industry has had a couple of rough years with operational challenges thanks to COVID, disruptions from supply chain issues, and an avian influenza season that has killed a record number of birds since late 2021. Can you give our listeners a perspective on how the industry was affected overall by HBAI in the last year? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great that you started from the effects of COVID in, in 2020. Uh, you know, coming into 2022, I think that there was a lot of hope for, you know, getting the market back on place, getting some of those supply chain disruptions sorted out. And then we have HBAI that, that started in late 2021. And going to 2022, and what we saw was this really big devastation in the, in the supply of birds across the U.S. And one of the bigger concerns with this particular strain is that it wasn't in just one kind of migratory pathway, which is a lot of the ways in which these wild birds fly and spread HPAI across the U.S. It was really across multiple of these pathways and kind of moving languidly as, as it wanted to. And so the geographical spread was much wider. We saw a lot more birds and it didn't end when we kind of hoped it would have in the fall and, and, and the, this past winter. And so we're looking about how it's impacted. What you have is this low supply, you have high, you know, cost effects in terms of inflation and transportation and all of these other economic impacts and factors that are going to impact this, the industry on top of this trying to capture a moving target because of HPAI. Absolutely. So, but the industry appears to be on the road to recovery from some HPAI related issues as we enter 2023. Are there steps that poultry processors and growers should keep on their respective radars, especially since HPAI outbreaks are still cropping up? Yeah. So I, I think that one of the things that happened from 2015, which was the last time we had HPAI in the U.S., to this time was there were a lot of learnings. And so one of the first things that happened in, during this, pre, this outbreak was a, a much quicker response for that supply chain. It was to try to reduce the, the business disruptions that were going to happen because of these birds and the culling and the, and the death related to it. And so what we see is, you know, an increased biosecurity that was happening across the board. We saw an increased amount of messaging that was happening about reporting and getting this kind of cleaned up to, to reduce the viral loads, to reduce the spread between houses and farms. So going into kind of the next steps is looking at it is, 
what can we do to preemptively account for losses in the marketplace? We know that if HPI is going to continue, that there are going to be losses. And so is that preemptively overproducing to try and account for the losses we're about to account, you know, about to have or potentially have? I think that the lessons that we're having now are let's have increased biosecurity and vigilance. Biosecurity fatigue is a really big problem. Across the board, I mean, I think that most listeners, you know, lived through COVID, right? Like, unless you were quite young, and then you're probably not listening to this anyway. And so, <laughs> you know, going through COVID, we got into biosecurity fatigue. And that's what happens a lot when you have this kind of protracted disease event. And so there's a lot of messaging that's like, you've got to continue to have this constant vigilance because if it gets in your, into your farm, you're going to be have business disruptions. You're going to have the financial and the emotional stress that's going to be associated with having HPAI in your house. So we have increased biosecurity, and, and those are going to be things that processors and growers are going to really focus on coming up is let us try to minimize or mitigate as many outbreaks as we can. And that's going to include additional surveillance, additional monitoring, watching these these flyways, watching these birds and monitoring the, the wild bird population to try to to keep it out of the houses and then also f- watching its patterns. So then looking for, again, just those increased biosecurity opportunities. Now, that biosecurity fatigue is very interesting. Did you ever find or have you heard even on an on a individual scale issues about reporting problems where farmers and growers are not reporting outbreaks? No, so I haven't heard anything and definitely not during this 2022 event. You know, I think that the goal is to have incentive structure set up so that it's in your best interest to report, right? You can get indemnification. So if you're going to, if I have a chicken house or a broiler house or a layer house, and I notice that my birds are are distressed and I don't report for some reason, those birds are likely going to die. And so now I'm out potential financial compensation for that. And so you have really, you have structures in place to try to encourage reporting without trying to incentivize somebody to get the disease. So, so we're not really seeing that kind of those effects. I think a lot of the ways in which biosecurity fatigue kind of starts coming in is maybe less in the not reporting as in the, oh, I don't need to do this wash today. Or, you know, you, you get in the routine of what you're doing and you're like, oh, I'm not going to do that really fast. I'm, I'm, I'm on a hurry. I'm not going to wash my truck. And all it takes is one, you know, one chance, right? Like one, one right. opportunity for the virus to get in. And so, yeah, you have to be on constant vigilance, but that's tiring. And, and we kind of get into our rote memories and practices that we do. And I think that that's where you want people to kind of always have these practices and hope. And so I think for, for those moments of biosecurity fatigue, that's really in, in trying to get people to say, hey, I know you're tired today. I know you're in a hurry. I know that you know, the water's leaking over there and, you know, fires are popping up everywhere. We got to deal with those. But I still need to do these practices because they're going to save my farm. Very, very common sense advice. Let's chat for a second about the consumer impact of HPAI with soaring prices for eggs and relatively steady costs for poultry meat at retail. What do you see as the forecast for consumers in 2023 as hopefully the domestic HPAI crisis wanes? Yeah, so I think that what we're going to hopefully see is these prices come back down, whether that is to 2021 levels. I don't think we're going to get to that point yet. We have inflation. So the cost of production are quite high, and that's going to include the cost of feed are substantially up. So I think for the full year, they were up something like 15 or 20% across soybeans and corn, which are counting for something like 65% of the cost of an egg, I mean, the egg production. And so when we talk about those costs are not even related to HPI. And then you add in the, the losses of the birds. And so 
we as an industry are, are getting back on track, right? So we've, we're seeing bird counts starting to come back up. We see that supply chain filling back up, trying to to replenish as quickly as possible. And there are biological lags with that. And so you can't immediately replace a layer bird. That's a six month lag between those two. From the day you're like, we need you know a whole new house of birds that we weren't expecting right. until the time that it's going to be in the house laying eggs again. And so, you know, kind of rubbing my magic crystal ball and looking at the future, I think we're going to see, hopefully see prices coming down. I think that a big concern in the media right now is the egg prices from November and December, where you had this really high demand, you had low tight supplies and rising prices related to a whole bunch of different factors like feed, transportation, tight supplies, just allocating across demand. And then you look at like distributional concerns. And so, yeah, I think that prices will hopefully come down and that will be a little bit more as expected, even in the middle of having HPI. I think that there's some preemptive things that are happening within the industry in terms of replenishment to try to mitigate potential losses. But there's always the the concern, I think, on the horizon, the HPI is still here and how that will impact our prices. Everybody's taking good, a good look at. Last year, the poultry industry was seeing a bit of a rebound in terms of food service sales in the post-pandemic era. How would you describe the market prospects for poultry processors and food service and at retail over the next year or so? Yeah, I think that as we are coming, emerging out of this post-pandemic era and we're continuing to grow, I think we're going to continue to see a strengthening demand from that sector and thinking about, you know, the consumption patterns of, of consumers. So during the pandemic, everybody started cooking at home. And so there was a big shift of where food was being sent to and then the, the types of further processing that was happening. And then that also affects profitability. And so I think that we'll see food service continue to strengthen as a sector where we're going to go with that. I think one of the slight kind of limitations on that, and I'm going to talk about eggs for a second, is with eggs, you have the table eggs that you and I would buy at the grocery store, and then you have processed eggs. And right now with a, a, a tight egg supply, currently, you know, you see these processors trying to figure out how do they continue this the steady supply of the input goods, right? If I'm going to bake a cake and I'm selling my cakes, I need to make sure I have the eggs for my cakes. I think that with the HPI flowing out, I think that the industry is trying to address that and making sure we have this kind of steady supply. And I think that those supplies are coming back online. And I think that as food service and looking at that over for the next year, you're going to be looking at increased demand and making sure this kind of volatility of supply and keeping your eye on making sure that you're going to have this right supply at the right time. So we know that egg layers were particularly hit hard by bird flu in 2022, but there seem to be some signs of the sun coming back out in terms of HPAI waning, as well as inflation coming down somewhat in the early months of 2023. What can we expect to see at retail in terms of whether egg suppliers and other poultry processing entities try to meet that demand that, as you just said, is expected to continue and it maybe even strengthen? Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think that within the, the really short term or, you know, within the next month or, or two, we're going to see those prices come back down from, you know, pre-November levels. They're not going to be 2021 levels at this point, but we're going to see some kind of easing. So you have the CPI coming down, so the inflation's easing a bit. You have supply coming back on the market. We're already seeing some wholesale prices. And again, specifically with eggs, we're seeing wholesale prices coming down and the spot market prices. And that will eventually trickle down to the, to the retail market as well. And so as a consumer, 
I think that the larger concern is I have this staple food product and it's really high and it's putting a spotlight on it because you have these, you know, an increased demand, especially during periods of high, high inflation when I'm looking for affordable foods. And so there's a spotlight that's been on it. And I think that that will start dimming a bit as the prices will come back down because the supply is coming back on board. I mentioned earlier this biological lag in replenishment efforts. And so one of the, the reasons we had such high prices at the end of 2022 was because we had these 40 million birds out of the system and we you know immediately start egg sets, we immediately start hatching eggs and moving to the you know a pull-up market, but they're just as time it takes in order for them to come back online to be layers. And so at this point I think that those layer those pullets are now starting to come online and starting to to produce more eggs. And so us as a consumer will will see that at the retail where our prices will come down, which also benefits those processors as well. And when they're looking at tight supplies and high prices, you know, they're having to to compensate and raise their prices. And I so across the board I think us as consumers will see a little bit of easing on that. And unfortunately, there's nothing anyone can do about Mother Nature and how quickly a layer can grow. Yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that's a bit of the joke is that, you know, I've had a lot of people asking me about egg production and it's like, we can hurry eggs to market, we can do all the things, but I can't make an egg, you know, mature faster. I can't make a bird mature faster. And I just have to wait until time passes. And we all know watch pots don't boil. And so sometimes you just have to you have to wait until that time is right. And so I think that we're going to start seeing that. That's exactly right. Now let's turn again toward those processors. Can you give our listeners some perspectives on how their businesses might be permanently affected in the medium to long-term range as this ongoing HPAI outbreak is showing only slight signs of disappearing? Yeah, I think that in terms of these processors, in terms of people con- using these products, I think that the, the, you know, the medium-term you're looking at some volatile markets. You're going to still see this little bit of tight supply. I think the longer term is really impacted by how large the HPI outbreak is going to be this year. I think we, we live on hope that that it's going to be, be small, that it won't impact that many houses. But I think that we have to be cognizant that it could have as large of an impact of last year. With the number of exits that are continuing and with the number of replenishment across the board for turkeys, eggs, and, and, and broilers, I think that there's some preemptive supply that is in the system in order to address potential losses, which will maybe ease a little bit of that volatility that we had last year because it was new, because it was novel, because we were you know, kind of having to adjust mid-season. And now we're kind of getting to preemptively plan a little bit more. And so in the short run, you know, you're having to pay these kind of extra prices. You're having to, to compensate for this market and the supply chain shortages. I would hope that in the little bit of a longer term that it's not as tight of a supply and that because of preemptive planning, we're able to address the market even if we have HPI affecting birds in the U.S. And let's hope that you know, someone out there is keeping an eye on the longer range planning because it's going to be necessary. I wanted to add just really quick is you mentioned this long-term thing. And I think that that's one of the other questions that people ask is, is what are the long-term effects? And that also starts becoming like, do we build this additional capacity in long-term? But those are very 20-year decisions you're having to make, 20-year investments. And that raises a lot of questions about, is this going to be just this next year or is this going to be the next five years? And I think that that's a little bit of the uncertainty of those management decisions right now. And that blends nicely with my final question. Should the poultry industry prepare for similar long-range outbreaks of HPAI in future years that could disrupt operations, change supply chains, 
and affect profits as much as this most recent period has so far? You know, I, I think when we had the HPA outbreak in 2015, it was this large surprise. It was devastating across the industry and we had to compensate very quickly, right? Like we had these short supplies and then we haven't had it for seven years. And so all of a sudden we have this and this particular strain is, is, is unique. It's host adapted. We're seeing it have longer term effects in Europe where it's not going away. It's not dying out. It's basically all over. It's, it's a global issue right now. And so when if you're in the in poultry industry and you're preparing for HPI, I think that there are these questions about how do we think about managing the risk of having this disease? Is it going to be a 10-year disease, kind of like what we're seeing today? Is this going to continue on? Will it die out? And how do we address that? Like, what type of solutions can we have? I think that that's going to take a lot of a concerted effort in biosecurity. I think it's a concerted effort in monitoring and surveillance across local, state, and federal government agencies. I think that if you're the poultry industry, you're thinking about do we start adapting and, and building in this excess capacity to address this potential ongoing HPAI? I think it looks at what kind of research and development do we need to have in controlling measures? So, you know, be it vaccines or other types of control that so that they're more cost effective and acceptable. And I think that those are other questions about trade and impacts of those control measures. And so when we're looking for this long run, I think nobody wants to say that it's endemic at this point. Nobody wants to say that it's not going to go away. But I think that we, we're looking at what if it doesn't? What are the safe holds we need to start having? And those might be those types of investments in capacity, investments in technology, and investments in other mitigation factors. And I think those are the questions that are coming up on everybody's mind right now. Because just like we have a biological lag, there's going to be a lag in the time where we say we have to make these investments and when they're in place and how long those investments last. And so, you know, I think that everybody's looking for information right now about this disease and about potentially how we can solve it. As the phrase goes, good food for thought. Thanks so much, Jada, for sharing your insights with our Meeting Pod listeners. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today for Meeting Pod. Come back every Monday for more insights on the ins and outs of the meat processing industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow Meeting Place and all meat magazines on social media and visit our websites, meetingplace.com and alt-meat.net. Until next time. Remember to tune in on Mondays to get the inside track on the people and the processes that drive the protein industry. Be sure to subscribe to Meeting Pod on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Meeting Place and Alt Meat magazines on social media, and be sure to visit our websites at meetingplace.com and altmeat.net. Music